You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Okay, welcome to an episode of WTUZ Radio Podcast. And today's episode is really impromptu, uh, like most of them are. But um, anyhow, this is on Washington, D.C. becoming a state. Uh, So we're going to go into um, what they're trying to propose. And they've been trying to propose this for quite a while. And every time it comes up, the uh, final decision is no. But I heard about this actually from Sis Sandra, it coming up again to turn D.C. into a state Thursday. And um, then Brother Sean and I talked about it briefly again. So um, a lot of you may know what that means if it becomes a state. I am watching very, very interest on an interest level uh, because that's going to be telling a lot of things. So we're going to kind of go into the whole idea of D.C. becoming a state. Uh, and we're going to look at why it isn't a state. And then we're going to discuss the behind the scenes, what that really means. All right, so uh, let's get into, and this is from the Washington Post, uh, advertisement is in the way. I'm trying to see what day it came out. Ah, so I, okay, there we go. Will D.C. become a state explaining the hurdles to statehood? Uh, came out actually on the 23rd. Okay, so... Um, now the Democrats control both chambers of Congress and the White House advocate advocates of making Washington, D.C. the 51st state believe they are on the brink of a historic opportunity. House Democrats passed the Washington, D.C. Administrative Act on Thursday by a vote of 216 to 208 along party lines. Okay, and we're going to, we'll look at that act that they passed in just a second, soon as I finish getting through the rest of this article. But D.C. statehood still faces a number of hurdles, not only in the narrowly divided Senate, but in public opinion. A 2019 Gallup poll found that nearly two-thirds of Americans oppose D.C. statehood. Last year, statehood advocates launched a campaign to introduce the nation to everyday residents of their country's capital, arguing that perhaps the nation doesn't know enough about the people who live in the district to have an informed position about making it a state. Since then, the cause has been increasingly embraced by liberal Democrats, many of whom see it as a basic civil rights issue. Now, I do want to just point out again, this is not the first time this issue has come up. It's come up several times. Um, and of course, both times that I can remember of twice, I'm not sure how many total times it has come up. It never goes through. And and we're going to go into the real reason why it never goes through. So 
this one is going to be interesting. All right, why isn't D.C. already a state? What does the Constitution say? D.C. founding is enshrined in the Constitution, which provides that the district not exceeding 10 miles square would become the seat of government of the United States. Okay, so I want y'all to remember this 10 square miles being the seat of government of the United States. For a brief period after the city's creation in 1790, residents enjoyed voting rights and were allowed to cast ballots as residents of Maryland or Virginia. But those rights ended shortly after Congress moved into town and the new capital in 1800 and passed the District of Columbia Organic Act of 1801. Okay, and we're going to look at that act as well. The act stripped D.C. residents of their rights to vote in all federal elections, including for president, and gave Congress oversight of the city. Okay, so I want y'all to remember 10 mile square. I always say 10 square miles, but okay, whatever. <laughs> 10 mile squares is the seat of government of the United States. And Congress has oversight for the city. The district was not afforded presidential electors until the ratification of the 23rd Amendment in 1961. Its residents didn't get a non-voting delegate in the House until 1970. How can Congress change this? Those opposed to making D.C. a state have argued that statehood for D.C., can't happen without a constitutional amendment. They say the found the founders intended the entire district to serve as the seat of federal government, not as a state. But legislation put forth by non-voting, uh, I think that's Delaware, Eleanor Holmes Norton, Democrat, would not eliminate the seat of government. Hmm. All right, let me go back over that because that's going to be important. Those opposed to making D.C. a state have argued that statehood for D.C. can't happen without a constitutional amendment. They say the founders intended the entire district to serve as the seat of the federal government, not as a state. But legislation put forth by non-voting uh, Eleanor Holmes Norton, a Democrat, would not eliminate the seat of government that the Constitution calls for. Okay, so that's the catch, you all. They're trying to do statehood, but they don't want to eliminate the seat of government. All right, so bear with me. I promise I'm going to get to the real reason behind the scenes. I'm just laying the background right now. Instead, H.R. 51 would shrink the national capital to, whoa, to a small complex of federal buildings 
baby, I can't, while allowing the rest of the district to become a state. Whoa. Proponents of statehood argue that this plan preserves the federal enclave whose only requirement is that it can't exceed 10 miles square, 10 square miles. I can't stand that 10 miles square, <laughs> 10 square miles and escape the need for a constitutional amendment. Okay. So those of you that already know where I'm going behind the scenes, you see what they're, they're trying to do. You get it. Outstanding questions remain over what would happen to the three electoral college votes currently afforded to the district when it becomes a smaller federal enclave. Uh, Democrats and Republicans agree the 23rd Amendment should be repealed so that the few residents of the federal enclave, namely those residing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, don't retain them. But Republicans argue this needs to be done before statehood passes, essentially conditioning statehood on the amendment's repeal. Okay, so... Doo -doo 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 -doo. Okay, I have to think on that. All right, what needs to happen for D.C. to become a state? Now that statehood has cleared the House... It now faces a number of obstacles in the Senate. Democrats occupy half the seats in that chamber thanks to the January victories of John Ossoff and Raphael G. Warnick of Georgia, both of whom support statehood. That creates a 50-50 split in the Senate among Democrats and Republicans with Vice President Harris able to cast a tie-breaking vote. She, like Biden, supports statehood. All right. So they basically talking about the... Um, uh, the... Um, what do you call it? The electoral. I'm, I'm thinking that's what they're talking about. And how many um, congressmen and senators by state get to represent, oh, this is classic politics, but let, let me move on, let me move on. But because of the Senate filibuster, which requires 60 votes rather than 51 for legislation to pass, a simple majority of Democrats in the Senate isn't good enough to pass statehood. The bill would need the support of at least 10 Senate Republicans as well. Alternatively, the Senate could vote to end the Philadelphia filibuster, meaning that 50 votes in favor of statehood put Harris as the tiebreaker would suffice. A number of senators are pushing various filibusters reform proposals, such as returning to the talking filibuster or even creating an exception for voting right legislation to counter Republican efforts to restrict voting access across the country. <sighs> statehood advocates have another potential roadblock. Not all Senate Democrats have voiced support for D.C. statehood. Uh, Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Democrat out of West Virginia, uh, Angus King out of 
Is that Maine? Oh, uh, independent. Yeah, independent out of Maine. And Mark Kelly and Kirsten Sinemin of Arizona have yet to state their positions. And not uh, all of them support eliminated the Senate filibuster, included, including Manchin and Sinema. What would the state be called? The federal district would be reduced to Bay Bay. Let me sip my water. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. Yeah, I know what they're trying to do. The federal district district would be reduced to a two-square-mile enclave, including the White House, Capitol Hill, the Supreme Court, and other federal buildings. The rest of what is now the district will become the state of Washington, Douglas Commonwealth, including abolitionist Frederick Douglass. Why statehood? Why not become a part of Maryland or Virginia? While some have argued D.C. is too small to be a state, it is more populous uh, than Wyoming and Vermont with 689,000 residents, according to the U.S. Census Bureau data released in April 26. Okay. And also, just a little side note, I'm trying to stay focused, y'all. There's so much in here. Oh, my God, it's so much in here, so much in here. Um, but the census, it's a couple things with that census. Um, number one, you know, the big thing with the, the politics, the obvious one, they're trying to get a head count. And based on your numbers by state and by county, And when you get down to the county level, getting into the individual neighborhoods, based on how many numbers you have, um, qualifies you for certain grants and all of that jazz. And on a political level, it determines how many seats that your state is entitled to. So um, that's what the shake, political shakeup has been because some states are losing seats because of their census numbers. Uh, matter of fact, I know Ohio is one of the states that's losing seats because of their numbers. All right. Now, the census, the important parts that they're really not talking about is that it's also a way to capture the race classifications. Uh, This particular census was the first time that they were asking you to get specific. So meaning, um, if you're putting down African American, okay, so what part of Africa did your folks, uh, your ancestors come from? Uh, same thing if you put down Caucasian European. Okay, what part of Europe did your folks um, come from? So this particular census was a very important one. If you wanted to leave, quote, quote, a paper trail on your heritage, um, but make no mistake, they are doing that also not only to capture who is whom from a quote, quote, race category perspective, but also to capture who knows their heritage. 
All right. And then they just released uh, last week saying based on the census numbers where there is definitely a negative birth rate in the United States. All right. So I just wanted to put that out there. Okay. So let me get back. Statehood advocates say it's a moral issue and unjust lack of voting representation based on where a person lives. In this case, a historically African-American city where 46% of residents are black. Democrats are framing statehood as a central part of their voting rights platform. But politically, Democrats also support the fact for statehood because D.C. would almost certainly elect two Democratic uh, senators, making it easier for the party to solidify control of the Senate long term. Local advocates avoid framing the debate as a partisan issue saying it's a question of equal representation under the law. Still, Republicans are loath to give Democrats any political advantage. Some have insisted push, instead pushed to make D.C. part of Virginia or Maryland. A proposal, Representative H. Morgan Griffin out of Virginia, <clears throat> he's a Republican, put forth as recent as last fall, it did not go anywhere. Representative um, Andy Harris, the only Republican in Maryland's congressional delegation and a longtime opponent to D.C. autonomy, also supports the retrocession proposal. But most Marylanders <clears throat> oppose adding the district as a new county to their state, according to a 2019 Washington Post University of Maryland poll. Mayor Mariel E. Bowser, Democrat, has been asked before about the possibility of retrocession. She has read, she has said DC would completely upend the current geopolitical powers in Maryland if it became part of the state again. Okay, so I'm glad they brought that up in the article that DC was um originally came um from Maryland. Okay, they just they just carved out that 10 square mile. We're going to get into that a little little deeper. The district already has a larger population than any city in Maryland, though it is smaller than Montgomery and Prince George counties. Back in 2019, Bowser said retrocession would just mean that uh the, the theoretical next governor of Maryland would probably come from the district. In January, after a mob stormed the U.S. Capitol, Bowser told reporters the unprecedented assault added urgency to the cause for statehood. D.C. residents said she risked their lives to defend a Congress that affords them no voting representation. Mm, it's all coming into fruition. The reason of the state capital roost. Hmm, grasshopper. Now starting to make sense. Okay, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there, family. Bear with me, just laying a little groundwork. What is the argument against DC becoming a state? Strict constitutionalists say that DC statehood goes against the 
intent of the nation's founders. They argue the framers would have never wanted a small federal jurisdiction surrounded by a single state, which is the current solution prescribed by statehood advocates. They also raised the electoral vote issue. Republicans overwhelmingly agree that the only viable path towards statehood is through a constitutional amendment. Some in the GOP have also said that the district and the people who live there aren't the same as the average Americans in any parts of the country. <laughs> well, damn, well, damn, why y'all gonna say? <laughs> Boy, these politicians, they are a hot mess, honey. They know they can act. They are wonderful actors. Anyway, Republicans have argued the city is too corrupt and too financially financially dependent on the federal government to be the 51st state, although the former argument does not have any bearing on voting rights elsewhere in the country. And D.C. residents pay among the most federal income taxes per capita in the nation. Last year, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, Republican of Arkansas, said that Washington as a state would only be an appendage for the, of the federal government where the only vital industries are lobbying and bureaucracy. Wyoming may have a similar population than D.C., but Cotton said it has a greater right to statehood because it is a well-rounded, working-class state with workers in mining, logging, and construction. So in other words, child, remember all what I'm laying down because when I go to the real reason, it's going to make sense. So bear with me. Those of you that know what I'm going to say with the real reason, I know it's clicking for you. I know you're like, ah, man, they trying to pull a fast one on us, trying to be slick. So in other words, he's saying, what does D.C. produce? What industry does it have? That 10 square miles, the only industry it has is the federal government. It produces nothing. And then there's the endless battle to control. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the Republican out of Kentucky, has said that the campaign for statehood is just an attempt by Democrats to consolidate power with two more liberal senators. McConnell once called the Democrats' campaign for statehood full-bore socialism. How many times has the House voted on statehood? Thank you, article. Y'all did a good job on this Washington Post. Three times. Okay. Okay. Three times. The House first voted on D.C. statehood in 1993, but the bill failed 277 to 153. Then last June, the House passed legislation to uh, declare D.C., the nation's 51st state, largely along party lines. It was the first time a chamber of Congress approved a bill granting the district statehood. The bill passed 216 to 208 on April 22nd, 2021. Mm -hmm. 
every Democrat who cast a uh, ballot voted for the bill, every Republican voted against. The Senate has never voted on D.C. statehood, nor has a Senate committee. McConnell refused to bring the House legislation to a vote, but Schumer has pledged to try to move the legislation. Supporters are hoping for a Senate committee hearing in the, hearing in the next couple of weeks. Okay, you all. So that was from the Washington Post. Um, that came out uh, on the 23rd. And it's the name of the article is, Will D.C. Become a State Explaining the Hurdles to Statehood? Now, before, um, I do want to, let's see what the actual Washington, D.C. Admission Act. Um, let's see if we can find that. Um, okay, how come y'all didn't um, give me the actual act? So, hold on a second. Let me pause and let me try to find the act family. I thought it would take me to the act. Hold on a sec. All right. I had to go digging and digging and digging to find this act. Um, so this is uh, House of Representatives 117 to 19 Washington, D.C. Admissions Act. This is off congress.gov. Uh, April 16th is when they ordered to print it. Miss Carolyn B. Maloney of New York from the Committee on Oversight and Reform submitted the following. Okay, so now this is long, y'all. It's like 64-something um, pages. Actually, with the supplemental stuff, it's like 189. So I am going to jump around, but you can definitely go through it. Um they're getting into specifically uh, a lot of stuff on how this statehood would be set up, but I'm going to just go for the meaty stuff to prove my point. Uh, but you're certainly free to go read the thing in its entirety. So uh saying the Committee on Oversight and Re Reform to whom was referred the BOHR 51 to provide for the admission of the state of Washington, D.C. into the union, having considered the same reports favorably thereon with amendment and recommends that the bill as amended do pass. The amendment is as follows. Okay, so... Let me try to jump around you all so let me see i'm looking for the boundaries so um i want to get to their logic on what the boundaries are so let me look at the table of contents uh let's look at the federal government interests all right let's start with that so so sorry about this. Gonna have to pause again to pull it up. Y'all know how these acts and bills are. You gotta dig through this crap. So hold on. <laughs> All right, here we go. So I'm safe to read the first portion. I just want to make sure. All right, so section 101, admission into the union. In general, subject to the provision of this act upon the issuance of the proclamation required by section 103A, 
the state of Washington, Douglas Commonwealth, is declared to be a state of the United States of America and is declared admitted into the Union on equal footing with other states in all respects, whatever. Constitution of state, the state constitution shall always be Republican in form and shall not be repugnant to the Constitution of the United States or the principles of the Declaration of Independence. Non-servility, if any provision of this section or application thereof to any person or circumstance is held to be invalid, the remaining provision of this act or any amendments made by this act shall be treated as invalid. Okay. All right. Okay. Section 102. Election of senators and representatives. Issuance of proclamations. In general, not more than 30 days after receiving certification of the enactment of this act from the president Pursuant to section 403, the mayor shall issue a proclamation for the first election for two senators and one representative in Congress from the state subject to the provision of this section. All right. So special rules rule for election of senators and the election of senators from the state pursuing to paragraph one, the two senators. Officers offices shall be separately identified and designed, and no person may be a candidate for both offices. No such identification or designation of either of the offices shall refer to or be taken to refer to the terms of such offices or in any way impair the privileges of the Senate to determine the class to which each of the senators shall be assigned. All right, so uh, I'm not reading that, because they're basically talking about um, making this into a state that 10 square miles minus the other part that's not going to be a part of the state, which I'm going to get into, the boundaries. Um electing two senators. Now, only thing that I just want to point out, most probably already know this, but um, in the first little paragraph, they made sure that they reiterated that this new created state, and I find it interesting, let's peek the name, first of all, the state of Washington Douglas Commonwealth. Hmm. So after Frederick Douglas, pretty much what they're trying to Name this state, but uh, they're saying, let's just be cl- clear, it is a republic or a republican, right? Because a lot of people have in their mind that it's a, a democratic seat of government, and that's that's not the case. All right, so um, I'm not going to get into all of the members and all of that. Um, okay, because all they're talking about in the first little meet is that this little new state, which is called, we can't make this stuff up, y'all, I promise we can't make it up. 
the state of Washington, Douglas, Commonwealth, they're going to get two Senate seats. Okay. And they're just pretty much laying out how those seats will be uh, elected and um, how they're going to operate, yada, 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 and how the a president is going to certify the election results, da 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 da. All right, so let's get into subtitle B, seat of government of the United States. This is the meat. This the meat. All right, because this is going over ninety percent of the population's head, but the ten percent of us that heard this, we're like, oh, oh, oh wait, what? All right, so here we go. Territories and boundaries. In general, except as provided in subsection B, the state shall consist of all territories of the District of Columbia as of the date of the enactment of this act, subject to the results of the METs and boundaries. Oh, okay, okay. Meters and bounds survey conducted under subsection C. Exclusive of portion remaining as seat of government of the United States, the territory of the state shall not include <clears throat> the area described in section 112, which shall be known as the capital and shall serve as the seat of government of the United States. As provided in Clause 17 of Section 8 of Article 1 of the Constitution of the United States. So the bound survey, not later than 180 days after the date of the enactment of this act, the president, in consultation with the chair of the National Capital Planning Commission, shall conduct a I don't know, y'all, if this is, they're spelled, it's METIs, I say uh, meters, and bounds surveys of the Capitol as described in Section 112B. All right, so when they are talking about the seat of government of the United States, I asked y'all to remember that. They are speaking on the corporation. Okay, because the reason that that um, D.C. was set up as D.C. with 10 square miles or 10 miles square, as they wanted to say in that other article, it was to establish the corporation. Okay, that's it. That's all because the United States is a corporation. So that is its headquarters to do business. Okay? So whenever they talk about making D.C. a state, those that know that what D.C. represents, which it represents the headquarters of the United States corporation we go hmm now if you make it a total state does that mean you're dissolving the corporation you would have to so 
that's why I wanted to do this. But then when I started reading through what they were actually doing, I'm like, ah, okay. So let's go into the description of the capital. So meaning let's go into the boundaries of what's going to be the seat of government of the United States, a.k.a. the United States Corporation. Let's see where its new headquarters is going to be. In general, subject to subsection C, upon the admission of the state into the union, the capital shall consist of the property described in subsection B and shall include the principal federal monuments. Okay, so y'all getting where we going with this? And that ain't me. It ain't like I, I set up and participated in this. So let me restate. You see where they are going from f with this? They're shrinking their corporate headquarters from the 10 square miles which made up the city of D.C. or the territory of D.C. into... Now, it, to me, it sounds like they get down to property and buildings, baby. So let's hit, let's hit it. All right. So the capital shall consist of the property described in subsection B and shall include the principal federal monuments, the White House, the Capitol building, the United States Supreme Court building, and the federal executive, legislative, and judicial office buildings located adjacent to the mall and the Capitol buildings as such terms are used in Section 8501A of Title 40 United States Code. Now, before I get into the specifics, and I may not even get into the specifics, I ain't going to get into the specifics because I don't care about each one of those buildings. Um, but just to refresh your memory, cause I'm not, cause they're getting into like, um, giving you the locations of each building and I'm not going into all of that. What's important here is baby, they slick with it. Do you hear me? They are slick with it. So now all of the administrative all of the administrative things that run the corporation, now they're saying that's what makes up the boundaries or the seat of government for their corporation. So all of the federal monuments, the White House, so the president, which is, serves as the head of the corporation, his office and home, the White House, the Capitol building, the United States Supreme Court building, federal executive, legislative, and judicial office buildings located adjacent to the mall and the Capitol building, such as terms as used in Section 805, blah, 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 blah. So basically, anything to do, any of those buildings having to do with running their corporation. 
for what they're calling the seat of government, their seat of power, which is really still a corporation. Right? So then they get into uh, retention of the title to the property. The United States shall and have retained title to or jurisdiction over for purpose. See, I, I can't make this up, y'all, of administration and maintenance, all real and personal property with respects to which the United States hold title or jurisdiction for such purposes on the day before the date of the admission of the state into the union. Okay. Retention of state title, the state shall have and retain title to or jurisdiction over for the purposes of administration and maintenance, all real and personal property with respect to which the District of Columbia holds title or jurisdiction for such purposes on the day before the date of the admission of the state into the union. Um, say effect of admission on current laws of seat of government of the United States of United States. So it's not the United States, it's United States now. Mm. And if you see the way they wrote United States, they wrote it in all cap, which is a corporation. Except as otherwise provided in this act, the laws of the District of Columbia which are in effect on the day before the date of the admission of the state into the union without regard to whether such laws were enacted by Congress or the District of Columbia shall apply in the cap capital in the same manner and to the same extent beginning on the date of the admission of the state into the union and shall be deemed laws of the United States which are applicable only or to the capital. Okay, so they're just separating the time frame of when um, it's going to be uh, going into D.C. statehood uh, versus these the new seat of government boundaries, which are being broken down to only their administration functions. So just the monuments and the buildings. All right. So I'm not going to go through the rest of this. Uh, you can certainly pick it up because they get pretty detailed. Um, all right. But it's still saying if you scroll down a little bit more effect of admission on current laws. Um, that. Everything else is still in place. Okay, I'm not going to read all of that, but they're basically just making clear that although they're moving the boundaries, because that's all they're doing, they're moving the boundaries of their corporate headquarters from the 10 square miles to just all monuments and administration buildings in their court system okay so that's all that they're pretty much saying all right so um i just wanted to bring this to you all's attention so this is going to be really interesting because if they do pass this all the way through 
It just means they are moving the corporate headquarters to a smaller territory, bringing it down to just monuments and buildings. Okay? And what they are gaining is another um, two more Senate and uh, elect electoral college votes, although I think they already had electoral college votes. All right? So all of you 90% that understand what that 10 square miles really mean, which really is the headquarters for the corporation, United States, to do business, they're not dissolving the business. They are just moving the headquarters. Now, let's talk about my opinion on why I really think that they're doing this. I have been putting out information. Heck, now it might even become its own little series about uh, the new economy. And I have been talking extensively about the mass printing of money and how that is leading to um, hyperinflation. It's to the point where it can never be paid back to the Federal Reserve. So in essence, the United States Corporation is bankrupt. Once again, it's not the first time the United States court went bankrupt. They go bankrupt all the time. And you see themselves, stand themselves up behind the scenes. Those of you that know how to go to Duns and Bradstreet. And you can see the variations of the United States in Duns and Bradstreet. That's because they've just reincorporated right they they kept the same 10 square mile boundaries they just reincorporated they dissolved the one corporation because it went kapoop it went bankrupt and they just stood up another one we're definitely at that point again um now i think it's to the point where they're definitely trying to do a remix of their entire empire. Now, when I speak on empire, I'm talking the global empire because what people are not connecting the dots, the general population will never connect the dots. But even sometimes in the, the 10% that get this information, they miss the point that this is global the empire, which is really the Roman Empire, it's global. The Roman Empire never failed. It just shifted its seats of power. It just split them up around the world. Okay? So the United States Corporation... It is now winding down as the seat of world reserve power economically. 
And that may be militarily also. So now to me, in my opinion, that's what this is about with them getting closer to uh, making D.C. a state and shrinking the headquarters of uh, their government. They're calling it government. It's really corporation. Shrinking down the territory of their corporation to just include buildings and monuments. It's because the United States Corporation will no longer be the world reserve power economically or militarily. Talked about this several times. They have been prepping China, you can say at least from the 70s, but it really goes, they plan these stuff out in 100-year increments, okay? China is being stood up as the next world reserve power, all right? Um, They're poising them to be the uh, next world reserve currency, okay? That's why they're the first ones out the gate with all of the digital currency stuff, yada, yada, yada. Um, You know, China has put its foothold in Africa. And by the way, just do a little bit of research on Africa. You're going to see where Africa is being uh, landscaped into a more um, waterish. So a lot more water is being pumped into Africa. China has spent trillions of dollars, maybe not trillions, billions, almost a trillion, um, building dams, etc. in Africa. Uh, I just saw a video either Friday or last night, I can't remember, of Africa supposedly is going to break off, part of Africa is going to break off. It's going to have an island, and it's going to create an ocean, another quote, quote, ocean. And a large portion of Africa is going to have uh, water. So that makes it prime. That makes it prime real estate. And that's not to mention the uh, minerals and the mining and Africa as well, okay? So China has already put its foothold in Africa. Uh, I think that China was supposed to take over, start really accelerating the being the world seat of power, representing the global empire, the hidden global empire. Back in 2008, 2009, when the uh, U.S. economy bankrupted itself, which that was planned. You know, make no mistake about it. You don't be that gross negligent on purpose. It just doesn't make sense. Um, But for whatever reason, uh, maybe they weren't prepared. Who who knows? Uh, Maybe they needed to do the test run. I'm thinking... You know, this is my opinion. They needed to do the test run on the digital uh, for a 
at least a decade to make sure that they could move from the paper currency onto a new currency. Uh, because remember, currency represents frequency. So in the midst of the global empire reshifting itself, the planetary or Mother Earth's frequency shift is happening as well. Is hence the reason why the global empire needed to shift. All right. So um, I just wanted to put that out there. Sorry it took so long. I wanted to lay some background on it. Um, that's what they're doing, family. So for those of us that truly know that the United States is a corporation, uh, what it rolls up to, for those of us that realize that this is a global empire. This is still the Roman Empire. When we hear about D.C. becoming a state, we immediately think, okay, well, what's going to happen with the corporation, right? So hopefully now you know what they're trying to do. Uh, they're busting it down all the way down to buildings and monuments, okay? So that's going to represent the headquarters, uh, but I think the real reason behind this, it goes bigger than what they're claiming uh, regarding giving the D.C. residents uh, the right and the benefit to statehood and also um, representation at the federal level, which is really at the corporate level, let's be clear, at the corporate level and to uh, give them two Senate seats. It's deeper than that. Uh, this is really about the shift of the global Roman Empire, the seat of power from a financial and a military perspective from the United States, quote, quote, government, which is really corporation, to another seat of power. And I think that seat of power will be China, okay? So uh, we'll keep watching this closely to see how they move. But if you want a little bit more background on this, uh, you can definitely go to the actual uh, act itself. It's called H.R. 51, Washington, D.C. Administration Act. And I'm sure those of you that are great legalese, you'll be able to dig into that puppy and be like, ah, they think they slick, blah, 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 blah. So yes, please dig in and let us know what you come up with. Um, I would have to literally make a series out of this to get that deep. But um, we have smart listeners, very intelligent, and that's really about that work on the legalese side. Please hit us up and, and let us know what you find uh, buried within that. Uh, but at a glance, what stood out with me, they're not dissolving the corporation. They're just shrinking the headquarters. But it's a bigger meaning behind it. And I stated, though, that meaning. It's winding down the power of the United States Corporation because it's being passed along to 
passed along somewhere else. And I think that somewhere is China. Uh, and then I also encourage the family, look up District of Columbia Organic Act of 1801. That goes into the um, how D.C. became D.C. Okay. Um, very, very interesting stuff. Okay. And then the only other thing I wanted to kind of put food for thought for the family, find it very interesting that they want to name the city um, Douglas after Frederick Douglas. Hmm. So, you know, as you're looking into the District of Columbia Organic Act of 1801, they're also going to, uh, you're going to find out that melanated people have always been heavily lived in and involved in that whole D.C. area, right? And you're going to see the uh, original indigenous tribe that was there. And uh, those of you that know all of these things, you're going to, it's going to start to click to you. Oh, wait a minute. This was part of one of the indigenous Indian tribes partnering with the melanated Europeans to stand up the seat of government slash corporation. Okay. All right. So just one last thing. I know I was about to wrap up, but I'm dead. I got to at least put this. So just to keep in mind, those legalese that are going to go back and look at the act in a little bit more details, let's just remember what the enumerated powers of the United States, remember we're talking corporation, is. Um, <clears throat> so this is out of Article 1, Section 8 of the United States Constitution, the Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and exercises to pay the debts and provide for common defense and general welfare of the United States. But all duties and imposts and exercises shall be uniform throughout the United States. To borrow on the credit of the United States. To regulate commerce with foreign nations and among several states and with the Indian tribes. Okay. So again, all of this stuff has been in our, it's been out here in plain sight. It's just that 90% of the population do not understand what that seat of power really means. It's a corporation. This is business. It's commerce. To establish a uniform rule of naturalization and uniform laws on the subjects of bankruptcies throughout the United States. Okay. So naturalization, immigration, that's what I think of. Bankruptcies, again, this is about commerce and business, not the people. Not the people. 
That's the ruse. That's the falsehood that the 90% believe. That that seat of power and government is about the people. No, it's the opposite. It's about business. It's about managing the holdings of the global empire. To coin money, regulate the value thereof and of foreign coins and fix the standard of weights and measures. To provide for the punishment of counterfeiting the securities and current coin of the United States. To establish post offices and post roads. To promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited times to authors and events inventors the exclusive right of their respective writings and discovery so copyright clause y'all which is still business to constitute tribunal inferior to the supreme court to defend and publish piracy and felonies committed on the high seas and offenses against the law of nature Uh uh-huh against the high seas, the current of the seas, because this is about current energy that they use to regulate and cipher energy for the purpose of commerce, business. Declare war, grant letters of marquee and reprisal, and make rules concerning captured on land and water to raise and support armies, but no appropriation of money to that use shall be for longer term than two years to provide and maintain a Navy, to make rules for government and regulations of the land of the naval forces, to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union Suppress insurrection and repeal invasions. <clears throat> so, so far, y'all, I've only heard about business, commerce, monetary, military. To provide for organizing army and uh Disciplining the militia and for governing such part of them as may be employed in the service of the United States, reserving to the states respectively the appointment of the officers and the authority of training the militia according to the discipline prescribed by Congress. So again, I'm just hearing, I'm just reading rather, this is about commerce Regulation of money, protecting their money, ability for folks to copyright their work, i.e. their intellectual property for the purpose of no one else being able to make money off their stuff. That's the copyright law stuff. And militia and military to protect all of the stuff I just described above. To exercise 
exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such districts. Now, I want y'all to pay very close attention. My voice is hoarse, so I can do that little cartoon. (laughs) Think of a jig. To exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such districts not exceeding 10 miles square. As made by secession of particular states and the acceptance of Congress become the seat of government of the United States and to exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislator of the state in which the same shall be for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and the needful buildings, and to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or any department of officer thereof. All right? So my peeps, they get the importance of that 10-mile square. We already knew that that's where the boundaries were for this corporation. We already knew the only jurisdiction that they had the 10 square miles. So if they go through all the way with this, it's going to be busted down from the 10 square miles to the little um, administration buildings and monuments. Okay? Now, out of all of this that I'm reading, and I'm going to stop there, you see anything that says anything about the people? I didn't. This is the enumerated powers of the federal constitution. I didn't see nothing in there about the people. Because it's not about the people. It is about the corporation. It is about business. It is about providing wealth back to the empire. It is about taking the people's wealth. Let's be clear. It is about taking the people's wealth and providing it back to the empire. Because as that senator said in the Washington Post article, okay, so if D.C. is going to become a state, what do they produce? What industry do they have? They don't have any industry. The only industry they have is serving the federal government. Because that's all the U.S. corporation is. It's a corporation set up to give funds or profits or revenue back to the empire, the people's wealth. And they're getting it two ways. 
They're getting it from the people's labor, the people's energy, the whole dollar is based on full faith and credit. That full faith and credit is based on Americans' energy, your labor, okay? So really, family, that's what this is about. The empire ciphering wealth and profit from the people's labor energy, and then also from Mother Earth's labor and her precious metals, minerals as well, okay? So um, I'm not going to go any further, probably went a lot longer than I needed to, but I do highly encourage you all to uh, follow this Read up on it a little bit more because it's definitely something deeper going on. Um, and then also, I encourage my Legal Ease warriors to please dig into it deeper. And, you know, if you come up with something, you like, yeah, they slick on this or this means this, please reach out to us and let us know. So I wish you all well uh, on this Sunday. Have a great day, family. Peace and love.